Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Last week we started a series called Clear Answers to Key Questions. It's a two-week series. It ends today. (laughs) Clear Answers to Key Questions. Last week we talked about how to hear and recognize God's voice. I called the message, Can You Hear Me Now?, Today I want to talk to you about how do I know God's will for my life? And I gave it a really creative message title, which is, how do I know God's will for my life? All right, so that's what we're tackling today. Life is a series of questions and choices and decisions, and of course, a lot of them are pretty minor, but some of them are are major, and the older you get, you're faced with a series of, of, uh, of questions, like which college should I go to? What should I major in? What career path should I choose? Should I get married? Who should I marry? Should we have kids? How many kids should we have? Should we rent or or buy or move out of state like everybody else is doing? Should we have a dog or a cat? That's an easy one. Never a cat. Cats are of the devil. Dogs are from the Lord, right? Everybody knows that. It's easy. You know, (laughs) Ephesians chapter five says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God wants us, he wants every single one of us to know his will. He, he, desperately and deeply wants us to know his will. And I believe that we can know the will of God. You can know the will of God in your own life with great confidence. God is not trying in any part of our life to play a cosmic game of hide and seek. He wants us to know his will. Let me briefly give you two ways not to discover the will of God, all right? And then we'll talk about how to, but two quick ways how not to do it. One is the mystical approach. The mystical approach. It's like when you're, you put a fleece before the Lord and making you know, major life decisions. And, and if you know the story of Gideon, you know what I'm talking about. And it's basically, if it rains tomorrow, God, that's a yes. If it's sunny, it's a no. <laughs> we live in Southern California, so you can skew that however you want, right? It's like the guy who was going to Krispy Kreme and he said, Lord, if it be thy will that I get a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts and eat them quickly in my car, then open up a parking spot for me right in the front. After going around the block four times, the spot opened up and he said, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Let your will be done. (laughs) Or or it's like, and I know people who do this, it's like the, the person who flips open the Bible and points to a random verse, Lord, I need your will. And they just open up the Bible and they just, you know, close their eyes and point. One guy did that. He opened up to 1 Chronicles 19. It said, therefore, Hanan took David's servants, shaved them, and cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks and set them away. (laughs) So he thought, I'll try it again. And he opened up the Bible again and went to the book of Luke. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. (laughs) The, The mystical approach looks for a feeling. It looks for a feeling. It looks for an ocean of emotion, a quiver in your liver. The problem with that, with with any decision, men and women, you know this, is that feelings are unreliable. They're not a smart way to live. It's foolish. 
Just because it feels right often does not mean that it is actually right. I mean, we don't even need to take a poll. Everybody would be lying if they didn't raise their hand. But come on, all of us have made decisions based on emotions and they've turned out to be wrong. So that's the mystical approach. The second wrong approach to discovering God's will is the mechanical approach. Thinking that God's will is like a formula or a recipe or a step-by-step procedure. And if I just do all of these, you know, exact things uh, perfectly, then I'm going to be in God's will. Well, the, the problem is that's not really how God works. He doesn't work like that. Oftentimes in life, decisions are not just A or B. They're A through Z. And you can choose any number of things. And listen, if you're in the will of God, like we're going to talk about in a moment, I think God will bless them, whatever you choose. In fact, let me give you an example. Maybe, maybe some of you have thought or still think this way if you're single. God has one person. Just, he created just one person for me, the exact person that I'm going to marry. Listen, that sounds romantic, but it's not biblical. It's, it's actually not even logical if you think about it, because if just one person gets that wrong, then the rest of us are all out of luck. <laughs> Jeremy and Amber, good seeing you guys from are you guys just visiting. Move to Texas. God's country. God bless you guys. Good seeing you. We miss you guys. Wish you were here. Move back to California. It's God's will. (laughs) By the way, once you marry somebody, listen to me, once you marry somebody, that is God's will for your life. It is because God doesn't want you to get divorced. He wants you to stay married. Or sometimes we think, I messed up 10 years ago and I messed up God's formula for my life and, you know, and now I can't have his will and I'm, I'm still paying for it today and I'll probably be paying for it the rest of my life and, and I just got to settle for second best. I got good news for you. That's not biblical either. And if you just read the Bible, men and women, great heroes of the faith, every single one of them, men and women, they made enormous mistakes. And yet God still used them powerfully, still did great things in and through their life. Because listen, God doesn't give you his second best. He gives you second chances. Come on, somebody say amen. So we don't want to have a mystical approach or a mechanical approach to trying to discover God's will. We want a a good, grounded, biblical, theological approach. We want to use wisdom like we just read about. And so I want to quickly do two things. I want to first kind of lay a theological foundation. I want to teach some theology about the will of God. And then I want to get very, very practical and give you some some wisdom uh, about the personal will of God. The first thing that we need to understand uh, is we need to understand the theology of God's will, because there are boundaries, if you will, to to, to God's will. Let let me let me use this illustration. Let me talk about golf for for a few minutes. Any golfers out there? Come on, raise your hand if you like to golf. Any golfers? Okay, all right. I'm surprised there's not more, actually. Uh, I was talking to Barry about golf a few minutes ago. He's telling me how much he likes golf. I'm not a golfer. I've golfed before. I actually enjoy golf, but I just don't golf regularly. In fact, a couple of years ago, on my dad's birthday, he decided that for his birthday present, he wanted to take Josh and I, my brother and I, out golfing with him, just the three of us. 
And I told him, my brother's a pretty good golfer. Josh is a good athlete. He doesn't golf very much, but Josh is a good golfer. My dad was a great golfer. He was golfing twice a week. He was really good. I rarely golfed. I said, Dad, I don't want to go golfing with you. Not on the course anyway, because it's not fun for me. I don't know where the ball's going. I start getting angry. Things start coming out of my heart and out of my mouth that I got to repent of later. Come on. It's like... I got I to gotta get saved again before I leave the golf course. I don't want to. No, no, come on, go. It'll, it'll be fun. All right. <laughs> so first tee, Josh hits a pretty good shot. My dad steps up, hits a great shot. I step up next, hole number one. Shank it badly to the right. So badly it goes into the parking lot and we hear a loud crash. My dad said, get in the cart right now. We're leaving. <laughs> we left the hole. We kept playing the, the course. Listen, in golf, in golf, the goal is you want to stay on the fairway. The fairway is the short grass. It, it's, it's the easiest place to hit the golf ball successfully. You want to play on the fairway. The middle section, you guys are in the fairway. You guys, you can, you can be assured you're in God's will, at least for the sake of this illustration. Even Peter is. Somehow even Peter made it. <laughs> Outside of the fairway on, on both sides, it's called the rough. It's where the grass grows higher. You get a ball in there, it's hard to hit it out. In fact, you got to hit it out of the rough, hack at it, and just get it back onto the fairway oftentimes. There's trees out there. This section, no surprise with Jerry Clyde, this section, you guys are in the rough. Oh, I might get in trouble. This section, including my mom and my wife, sorry, you guys are in the rough. You chose to sit there, not my fault, your fault. You guys are outside of God's will. You're outside of the boundaries. And then if you hit a really bad shot, <laughs> you're in the parking lot. If you're on the golf course, there's what are called hazards, right? Which is sand traps. This section, Dave and Connie, you guys are in the sand. <laughs> Good luck getting out. You're way outside. And this section, you guys, there's, on golf courses, there's lakes, there's ponds. You guys are in the water. <laughs> can't even hit the ball out of the water. You got you to drop it. So in our lives, listen, we want to stay in God's will. We want to stay on the fairway. Because just like in golf, your shots are easier. Life is easier when you're in the fairway. When you're in God's will, life is easier. It's better. God's ways are always better. It's where his blessing is. It's where his favor is. Come on, somebody. So here, let me, let me give you the two. I want to give you the two boundaries now to stay in God's will. One boundary that'll keep us in God's will. I'm looking over here. This would be the sovereign, the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God is what God is doing on the earth. What God is doing on the earth. If you're not paying any attention, God's doing something on the earth. He always is, always has been, and always will be. The question is, for you personally, is am I cooperating with it? Am I cooperating with it? God's will for your life will never, ever be outside of the sovereign will of God. What is God doing on the earth, men and women? He's advancing the kingdom of God. He is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. One of the things you can do if you want to be in, in the sovereign will of God, just one of the things, be involved in a healthy church. Good job. You picked a good one. <laughs> we're a healthy church. Not perfect, but we're healthy. And then, hey, get involved in some capacity. Start serving the Lord. Start loving people. Start helping people. Take next steps with Pastor Junior, Pastor Judy. We teach you how to do that, how to discover your gifts. Let me give this reminder. I think it's really important. 
not everything that happens in the world is God's will. Let me say it again. Not everything that happens in the world is God's will. In fact, this is kind of interesting. Most of the time when you hear somebody say, I guess it was God's will, they're referring to something terrible that just happened, right? You know, somebody dies. I guess it was God's will. (laughs) They're never referring to something good. In fact, even on insurance claims, even on insurance claims, they list acts of God. What are they? Earthquakes, famine, pestilence, tornadoes, hurricanes. Men and women, those are not acts of God. If you, you, you don't want to know what real acts of God are, this is what it should say on an insurance claim. Babies being born. <laughs> it's just somebody getting a job that hasn't had a job in a while. Somebody getting supernaturally healed of cancer. Come on. A marriage that's, that went through a hard time and almost didn't make it, but stuck it out and made it for 40 years and had a healthy marriage. A sinner who gets radically saved and transformed by the power. Those are, those are acts of God. So don't have a fatalistic attitude when it comes to God's will. It's not, in my opinion, I won't argue with you biblically or theologically. Some people believe differently. That's fine. But in my opinion, when I read scripture, I don't believe that. When a child gets molested, that is never God's will. In impoverished parts of the world, people dying from starvation, that is never God's will. God is not the author of evil. He is not the author of evil. And so listen, we live in a broken, fallen, sinful world. Things do not function and operate the way that God created them to. In fact, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm going to preach. I'm going to do a series on Genesis in a couple of weeks. I'm excited about it. We're going to go back and revisit that. But we, we live under the curse of sin. When Jesus comes back again and he is coming back, Listen, that'll all be done with, men and women. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more sickness, no more sin. But right now, we live under the curse of the world. And God created us in his image, which means that every single one of us have free will. My dad used to say, you have as much free will as God does. Not nearly the amount of power or love or a whole lot of other things, but you have the same amount of free will. And we do. And so because we have free will, sometimes people choose evil. And when they do, people get hurt. In fact, since we're talking theology, let me go a step further. Let me read from you from who I think is one of the greatest recent theologians, C.S. Lewis. And he wrote a book called Mere Christianity, M-E-R-E. He wrote a lot, lot of books. That's one of my favorite books. I encourage you to read it. But listen to what he, he says about free will. He says, if a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. A world of automata, in other words, robots, of creatures that work like machines would hardly be worth creating. The happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight compared with which the most rapturous love between a man and a woman on this earth is mere milk and water. I love that. And for that, they must be free. 
That's, so that's, that's why we have free will. And so Jesus, when he teaches us, Matthew chapter six, the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he says, pray like this. And we get the Lord's prayer. And then one of the phrases in there, what does he say? Jesus says, your kingdom come. Pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom of God, the rule, the reign, the power, the life, the love of God to come in and invade any and every situation, because in heaven, God's will is always done on earth. You know, it's it's not always done. Sometimes it's rarely done. And so we pray and we intercede and we join in where his sovereign will is being done. So that's one half. That's one boundary is the sovereign will. The other boundary is the moral will of God, the moral will of God. What God, listen, what God has already said in his word. What he's already said in his word. If you want to know the will of God, men and women, then know the word of God. His will is revealed in his word. And uh, we talked about this last week. You know, God's God's voice will never contradict his word. His will will never contradict his word. It will always. So if you're making choices and decisions outside of the Bible, you're outside of the will of God. God loves you. You could be you could be saved. You could be going to heaven, but you're outside of his will. In fact, um, there's a lot of things in the Bible. It just says explicitly, this is God's will or this is the will of the Lord. There's I studied it this past week. Let me just give you eight quickly. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach on this. You take a picture of this. okay? if you want, this is going to come down. But these are just eight things. Clearly, the will of God, do the will of God. Number one, number two, present your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Number three, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Number four, be holy. That's God's will for all of our lives. Number five, stay away from all sexual sin and control your body. If you're wondering what is sexual sin, I mentioned that last week. It's any sort of sexual activity outside of a marriage relationship between a man born a man and a woman born a woman. Anything else, you're, out, you're outside of God's will. Number six, always be joyful. Number seven, never stop praying. And number eight, be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will. So you have the sovereign will of God and then you have the moral will of God, which now takes us to the question, the personal will of God. How do I know God's will for my life? Here's a statement that, uh, that you can write down, might be on the screen. The more that I get to know the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God, the better I will discern the personal will of God. Listen, I, I say this with love as your pastor, but some of you, you, you want God's will in your life, but you're just outside his moral will. You're, you're in the rough or maybe you're in a hazardous, hazardous relationship. Come on, get just get onto the fairway. Just address that issue first, get on the fairway, and then God will start to deal with you about his personal will, will for your life. The personal will of God is this. It's what God desires for my life. What God desires for your life. He has a personal will for your life. Every single one of us is unique and different, and God has a unique plan and purpose and will for your life. If my friend Mike came up to me and said, John, what is God's will for my life? And if he's talking about his personal will, I say, Mike, I don't know. I mean, I could... I could tell him what I think, but I don't know. You got to go to God. You got to figure that out with him because you got to get that. You, you got to get that from him. You got to hear that from him yourself. In fact, more than anything else, the personal will of God for your life is a personal relationship with him more than anything else. Even once you know him, his desire is still that you just walk closely with him. 
Don't get distracted by all the other things. Listen, God wants to bless your life, enjoy your life, but more than anything else, men and women, he just wants you to know him and walk with him. John chapter one says this, it says, but to all who received him, that's referring to Jesus, all who received him and believed, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I will know his will for my life. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Jenny and I have been married 17 and a half years, been together about 20 years. If you include dating, she's my best friend. I know her. She knows me better than anybody else. In fact, I laugh sometimes in different situations where Jenny's talking to somebody or somebody's talking to us. And just by looking at her face, I know what she's thinking. <laughs> I know if she's irritated. I know if she's, I mean, with me too. I know if she's irritated. I know if she's upset. I know if she's happy. I, mean, I can, because I'm close to her. I, I know what she wants. You know, not all the time. <laughs> what do you want for lunch? And then I go down a list of 15 things and I'm still wrong. But, you know, oftentimes I know what she wants. I know what her will is. Why? Because I'm close to her. Listen, just draw close to Jesus, men and women, and you'll know his will. You'll know his will. Here, here, he's not going to keep it a secret from you, okay? Jesus said in John chapter 10, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Didn't we? My sheep know my voice. So, look, if I'm, in, I found, if I'm within the sovereign will of God, I'm joining God in what he's doing. Come on, Lord, I want to I be part of that. If I'm within the moral will of God, doesn't mean that I'm gonna do it perfectly, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best, then, and I'm getting close to Jesus, you can know with confidence. God, he's gonna show you his will. He, in fact, he'll give you, I'll just say this, I think a lot of times we have a lot of different decisions and opportunities, and if you are really, really following the Lord, and I think, I think oftentimes God says, make a decision. I'll bless whatever you, here's, here's three job opportunities. Lord, what's your will? What's your will? You seek, you pray, you do your best to listen. And sometimes it's really, really clear. Am I, is this helping anybody? Am I talking to anybody? Sometimes you're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I really heard anything. I talked to Pastor Junior. He gave me some wisdom. I talked to Cindy. I'm not exactly sure. I think sometimes God just says, hey, just choose one. I'll bless whatever you do. And and you know what, if you get, hey, listen, you get a little off course, don't worry about it. Just get back on course with me. That's a little jumping ahead, but that's a summary of the rest of my point. So maybe we should just wrap up there. Let me, let me give you six wise principles real quick. <laughs> I always say real quick, it's never quick. That's a lie, sorry. <laughs> Number one is this, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I discover God's will for my life? Number one, admit that I need guidance. Just admit that I need guidance. Listen, some of us don't even do that. <laughs> it's, it's hard for some of us. I think especially men, you know, we don't like to admit we're wrong. We don't like to say we're sorry. I was cracking up a few weeks ago. Jenny and I were talking about marriage. I was trying to help all of the husbands in here. I said, guys, repeat after me. I am sorry. None of you guys could even say that. It just made me laugh. They can't even get those words out. You know, men, we don't like to stop and ask for directions. We don't like to admit that we need help. But if you want to know God's will for your life, for all of us, it requires humility. Just go before the Lord and say, Lord, I just need your help. I need your guidance. In fact, listen to what James says, James chapter 4. And by the way, if you don't ask, God won't tell you. If you're prideful enough to think, I don't, you know, I'm just going to live life my own way. I don't need God's help. God will say, go right on ahead. <laughs> when you need my help, ask, you know, good luck with that. 
But James says, come, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. You know what that's really telling us? It's basically saying, look, you can live life on your own without God's input, but a better way to live is to recognize that you need the Lord and ask for his input. Some of us, you might think, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. I'm not sure I've ever heard his voice. I'm not sure God's ever led me and guided me. Well, it could be because you've never asked. Some of us have made major, major financial decisions. We never prayed about it. Some of us have moved, Jeremy and Amber, to different parts of the country. We never prayed about it. I'm just teasing. Some of us have, you know, <laughs> married people. You never really prayed about it. You made career decisions, health decisions. You never really prayed about it. Why? Because maybe it's because you, you think that you know better and you don't need God. I don't know. Why don't you stop and ask what he thinks about it? Admit that you need help. Number two is this. Ask God in faith for wisdom. If you want God's will, then ask God in faith for wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make the decisions that God would make. <laughs> to, make to make the right decisions according to his word. To make decisions the way that God would. And we need God's wisdom to know his will in our life. Let me say two things about that. Two ways to know God's wisdom. Number one, you gotta ask the right person. In case you don't know who that is, it's God. I'll give you the answer, it's God, all right? It's not your hairdresser. It's not the lady you go to who gives you a mani and a petty. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not your golf buddy. Come on, it's not, uh, it's not your, your friend that you know who's on their eighth marriage. You need to go to the Lord. Second, you need to ask with the right attitude, which is faith. You expect God to answer. Sometimes we pray and we ask, but we don't really expect God to answer. And then he doesn't because there's no faith behind it. James chapter one, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Number three is listen for God's voice, which is we talked about that last week. That's why I, I addressed it last week, because you can't know God's will if you can't hear God's voice. And the question that I, I one of the things I mentioned last week it's not really, is God speaking to me? The question is, am I listening? Because God does and will and wants to speak to every single one of us, but we gotta listen. Number four is trust God when I don't understand. Trust God when I don't understand. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that doesn't make sense, that even seems impossible. By the way, not always, not always, but often, if you feel, and something that lines up with the word of God, that God is 
pressing you to do something impossible that you can't do on your own, it's probably God. Because then when it happens, he gets the glory and you don't, which is the way it's supposed to be. And, and so God will test and check our obedience. He wants to see if we're going to trust him and, and obey and do what he's asked us to do. In the book of Exodus, you can read, many of us know the story, but when, when God called Moses to deliver the Israelites, the, the, the people of God, out of Egypt, they had been in slavery and in bondage for over 400 years. Moses, the deliverer, comes in through a series of miracles. The Israelites leave. Most scholars think it was well over a million people. It was a massive amount of Israelites. They, they leave, they're starting to leave Egypt, and they get to a point where there's mountains on both sides of them, and there's a Red Sea in front of them, and there are the Egyptians, and they're angry. Pharaoh in hot pursuit behind him, and they start to do what, what most of us do. They start to doubt, God, how could this be your will? Did we really hear your voice? Are we really supposed to follow this guy, Moses? Why would you lead us out of Egypt? At least we were slaves. Why would you lead us out here to die? And then listen, listen to what the word of God says. God had them right where he wanted them to be. Psalm 77, verse 19, your road led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway no one knew was there. God parted the Red Sea, one of the most unbelievable miracles in all the Bible. Men and women, maybe you think you're at a dead end in your life. Maybe you think you're never going to get out of debt. Maybe your marriage isn't going to make it. You know, divorce is right around the corner. Maybe your dreams have died. Maybe you think you'll never have a baby. Maybe you're overwhelmed with challenges and problems and obstacles and fear and anxiety and depression. I got good news for you today. God specializes in the impossible. He's been doing it for a long time. He's still doing it today. He's very, very good at it. And so if you'll trust him, if you will just trust him, put your faith in him, if you'll keep moving forward, come on, doing the best that you know how to do. Keep walking close to him. He can part any ocean. He can defeat the enemy. Enemy. He can make a pathway that you didn't even know was there. <laughs> Some of us, some of us, by the way, have a false idea. This is not biblical. We have, I, I know a lot of people, I talk to people, some people end up walking away from the Lord because of this issue. We have a false idea that if we're in the center of God's will, ain't nothing bad gonna ever happen to me. It's like, you know, Star Wars, talking about Star Wars on May 4th. It's like a Star Wars invisible shield around you. We're just like nothing, no, that's not how it works. You can be right in the center of the will of God and bad stuff still happens. The Bible says that rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust. We, we'll all go through suffering. We'll all go through pain. We'll all go through grief. We'll all go through loss. We'll all go through trials. But listen, God's with you. He's with you, and he can make a way. He can change things. Here we go. I got I to gotta keep going. Number five is this. If, if, uh, the fifth thing, if you want to know God's will for your life, number five, act on what God tells me to do. Act on what God tells me to do. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. <laughs> I think some of us, some of us, God has spoken to us about doing things and we've just ignored it. You need to go back and do what he's already told you to do. In fact, here's a question for you. This will help you. What am I doing that I should not be doing? What am I doing 
God, is there anything that I'm doing in my life right now that I should not be doing? If, if you would approach the Lord with honesty and with sincerity, I think, by the way, that's a great question to ask regularly. It's a great question to ask daily. Say, Lord, show me where I'm off. Show me, show me where I messed up. Is there anything that I'm doing right now that you don't want me to be doing? Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God is concerned about your direction, not your perfection. And so if you would just keep following Jesus, if your life is headed towards a cross, you can be confident you're gonna, you're gonna be walking in God's will. Second question is this, what am I not doing that I should be doing? What am I not doing that I should be doing? I kind of just referenced that. And James 4, 17 says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. If God's called you to do something, you're not doing it. You ought, you ought to, if you want to be in his will, you ought to start to do it. Number six, here's the last point. <clears throat> if you want God's will for your life. Number six, surrender my will completely to God's will. Surrender my will completely to God's will. Jesus modeled this in his life. In fact, if you read especially the Gospel of John, you will see over and over again, Jesus made statements as, I, I don't do what I will, I do what the Father wills. In the Garden of Gethsemane on Thursday night, after he had had his last meal with his closest friends, he took Peter, James, and John, his three best friends, and he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was an olive garden. If you've been to Israel, I've been there. You know, you can picture it in your mind, and it was overlooking Jerusalem. Jesus would like to withdraw there and pray often. One of the Gospels, I think it's Luke, says that as he began to pray, because he knew what was about to happen. He knew the torture, he knew the crucifixion, he knew the pain, he knew the beating, he knew all of the suffering, which was exactly God's will that he was about to go through and endure. And the Bible says that he was under so much pressure and stress that his sweat, he began to sweat and his sweat became drops of blood. And he knelt down and he prayed and listen to what he prayed. He went a little farther, fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from, from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus was 100% God, and he was 100% human. And I think that we can see in this statement his humanity. He said, Lord, I don't really want to do this. But nevertheless, I, lay, I, I surrender my will to yours. Listen, here's a great question to ask yourself. Is it my will or is it God's will? Is it my will or is it God's will? I think sometimes people who call themselves Christians don't really want God's will. They just want God to bless their will. Or they want God's will with conditions. <laughs> God, I want you if. Or God, I want you but. Listen, if you really want God's will for your life, it is God, I want what you want, and I want you, period. And if there's things, decisions that I'm, that I'm doing in my life right now, if I'm, if I'm headed in a direction, if this is not pleasing to you, then I'm willing, willing to course correct. I think we ought to develop, we ought to develop the, the spiritual habit in our life. Of, you know, I think, 
in the morning, first thing, we get out of bed before we start our, our, our work day or whatever we need to do that day. Just get on our knees before the Lord. It just doesn't need to be long, but just take a moment. Just say, Lord, I need you today. Can't do this on my own strength. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. And just commit this day to you, all my decisions, all my challenges, all my problems. I know I'm going to face temptations and opportunities today. God, I, I, I want your will. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in every part of my life, God. Lead me and guide me, Jesus. Help me. I want to be close to you today. I want to honor you. I want to bring glory to you. Amen. Close your eyes if you would. Real quick, maybe you're, you're facing a major decision in your life, a really important decision in your life, and you really want God's will. I just want to pray for you quickly today. Just close your eyes, but raise your hand if you would. Just close your eyes, raise your hand. If that's you, you just want me to pray for you. Put your hand up, put your hand up. Hands going up all over the place, a lot of hands. Lord, you see my friends here today. You know what they're facing. Maybe it's a seemingly impossible situation. Give them wisdom. Give them direction. Lead them, God. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in their lives as it is in heaven. Do what only you can do. Do the impossible, Lord. Do the impossible in Jesus' name. Bless them. Heal them. Shift things, God. Those that, especially those that are facing incredible challenges in their marriage right now. Breathe resurrection in life. Change them as a husband or as a wife. Bring healing in Jesus' name. You can put your hands down real quick because we're after, after this, we need to do one other thing before we dismiss. So please don't leave yet. But just real quick, if you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you are not in relationship with the Lord. I talked about that. Listen, God's will for your life begins there. I'm not asking, do you know about Jesus? I'm asking, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you walk with him? Do you talk with him? Do you hear his voice? Are you in relationship with him? Jesus did not come and live and die and, and uh, rise from the dead to give you a religion. He came to bring you into relationship with God so that you could know him, so that you could have abundant and eternal life, men and women. That's what he offers to every single one of us. It's the best way to live, to know the Lord, to be friends with him, the Bible says. What an amazing thing. And only Jesus can do that. It's all through him. The blood that he shed on the cross forgives us of all of our sins. We need to know him. You need to know him. Listen, how you respond to the Lord affects not only the rest of your life, it affects your eternity as well. Eternity with God is called heaven. Eternity separated from God is called hell. You were created to spend eternity with God but you're created to know him right now and walk with him for the rest of your life. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord, but you want to come back to him this morning. You're ready to do that. Men and women, I want to give you that opportunity right now, right here, right now. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today's the day you're the person. If you'll make the choice, God will make the change. So if that's you, say, John, I want to be in relationship with God. I want to come back to the Lord. I'm, I'm doing that for the first time or I'm coming back to him today. Never made that decision before. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, on the count of three, and then look at me. One, two, three. Raise your hand, hold it high. Hold it high, hold it high, hold it high. Yep, I know you, friend. I see you, young man. Look at me. Look, I want every, I saw you, I just met you. I know your name, I remember your name. I see you there, friend. Thank you so much. Anybody else here this morning? Keep your hand up. I don't want to miss anybody. 
I don't want to miss it. The little guy right here is a little guy with mom and dad. That's great. Anybody else here this morning? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Somebody else in the back, wave at me. I don't, I don't want to miss anybody. Somebody way in the back. That's awesome. That's great. Little guy back there. That's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. I want to lead all of us in a prayer of salvation and confession right now. There's about four or five hands that just went up. Let's pray this out loud. This is for you guys, but let's pray this out loud and strong this morning. Just repeat after me. Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sin. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want your will for my life. I want to follow you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate that this morning, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.